Heidi, brother, why don't you just tell us a, tell us a little bit, give us a snapshot of, of, of your story, of what's going on, of what, what's been personally to bring you to the place you are now, but also the, the journey of the church as well. Is that okay? Yep, yep. Hello. Oh, hey, uh, how are you, Vineyard? Yeah. Yeah. Good to be back at, at, at Nottingham. So right before I tell my story, if that's okay, there, there are just a, a group of words I want to sh- uh, just put out there. And whatever some of you will, will grasp onto, that's okay. Because I'll be telling my story and some of these will come out. And, and yet, not everyone will catch every part of the story, but some might resonate with some people. So I just want to, the first phrase is here, near and far. The next one, it's my joy to lose my life and find it in Jesus Christ. The next group of words, every tongue, tribe, and nation. And the next group of words is awaiting world. So just anytime they pop into your mind as, as we do, do this. So yeah, as Paul said, <laughs> my name is Edgar King, or King Edgar, whichever works. Um, <laughs> and there was an English king who actually uh, made sure England remains united. It was called King Edgar the Peaceful. So I... I, I um, I'm a, I'm a pastor of a small vineyard church in, in, in Nakuru, Kenya, and I'm also part of the national leadership team of the vineyard movement in Kenya. And so, so I, the story begins uh, I th- many years back as, as a, I was a pastor's kid. I guess I still am. <laughs> uh, and and I, I just met some very beautiful friends of mine, they were asking me to play tag with them yesterday. And my dad would drag me out to, to uh, conferences and stuff like that. So that's dangerous if you brought your kid because you never know. But yeah, so my dad would drag me out to pastor's conference and conferences, sometimes because I was his kid, other times because I was, I was just toying around with, with being part of the worship team. And so uh, in our family, no one ever wanted to become a pastor because as a pastor's kid, you can, you're seeing it from the front line. You're going, yeah, no one. So the biggest tease in our family would be, you'll be the pastor in this family. <laughs> and it never landed on me, so I was good. Uh, so I, I, you know, and I, I always wanted to become a doctor. And then in 2003, we went for this... Uh, vineyard, the first vineyard conference that was held in Kenya, and some beautiful worship leaders had come out, and I became aware of the Holy Spirit for the first time. I was like, oh my word, I want to lead worship for the rest of my life, but can I do that and become a doctor at the same time? (laughs) I wasn't sure, but I, I kind of felt like if push came to shove, I knew I would choose leading worship. Plus, I like talking, and I'm not sure doctors get to talk that much. I don't know. Um... So, so 2003, I become aware of the Holy Spirit for the first time, and I get involved with our worship team back home. Uh, but you know, that's just, I was such a young boy then, and you know, you just ignore a lot of things, you just keep going with life. And then um, in 2012, that's when the, the Vineyard Movement in Kenya was officially released. So we had a lot of, of uh, guests from all over the world come out. And one guy, uh, obviously he knew my dad because he had, he had, he'd been a pastor in the vineyard and he had since then retired and all. 
he was at church and I was just interpreting for him. And he looks up, he looks at me and says, and he didn't know, well, he didn't know this, but I was really struggling with, with forgive, uh, with whether God had forgiven me for a lot of stuff, whether I, it was, I didn't even think I was, I was supposed to be in the game, you know. He looks at me and says, Edgar, God has forgiven you. And, and the, 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 the pastoral gift that was on your dad is on you too. I was like, okay, <laughs> that's, that's a lot to take in. Then we went for this, this conference, and I wasn't even uh, up for ministry because I was part of the worship team. I'm exhausted and all. And two other people seek me out in the crowd, and they talk about church planting and, and church leadership. And I was, what, um, 20, 21 at that time? So I'm going, okay, not fun. <laughs> um, but again, you, you know, I just forgot about it and... And I was, um, I was heavily involved in, in just leading worship around, uh, around a vineyard church. Um, and I got invited to be part of the national leadership team to empower and train worship leaders. So totally forgot about the, the words of knowledge spoken. So then in, 20, in 2014, uh, a couple moves down uh, from the U.S. and they want to plant a, a church in Nakuru. So as part of the worship community in Kenya, I, I called them up and say, hey, I know you're planting a church and we just wonder how the worship community in Kenya can, can be a resource to you. So I, I drive down. I was living in Nairobi uh, at that moment. I drive, we drive down. I wasn't driving. I drive down. Oh, okay. We drive down with some friends to Nakuru, that city, and on the way, I fall asleep quite fast, and I see myself having gone to Nakuru and didn't go back to Nairobi, which is not cool because Nakuru is a tiniest city. It doesn't have a movie theater, uh, no ice cream. So I wasn't quite excited about that. So he and I meet, his wife is there, his kids are there, and he tells me about the vision of this church, and it's mind-blowing, and I heard him say, and we think you'd be a great fit for this church, and I'm going, oh boy, now I can't tell him about the dream, because I'm not sure what's happening here yet. Years later, he says he never said that, <laughs> but so I went back, and over time, I, I got convinced, oh, I think God is saying move down to Nakuru. So I'm terrible with counting my age, so I don't know how old I was then, but definitely just early 20s. I've given up, mate. <laughs> you've, you've still got hair, so let's go there. That's good, yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, but So I moved down to the city, and God is doing amazing things. So it's, it's, it's what... In other places, people call an international church. I don't quite like that term. I like cross-cultural church. So it's got people from all sorts of nations uh, from all over the world and lots of people just from Kenya. Um, so it's, a, it's, a, it's like a taste of heaven. Every tongue, every tribe, every nation right there. And, and it's exciting. Um, then, in, you know, things are just moving forward. Teams are growing. And in 2016... Uh, 
this guy, Adam and Melody, so dear, such dear friends of mine, they go back to the U.S. to tell our story and invite people to walk with us. And there God says, oh, actually, Adam, it's time for you to go back home to the U.S. So then the church goes into a transition period. And it's, it's like, oh, boy, <laughs> what's going to happen? I was sad that I was lose, losing my friends. Uh, and I never applied for the job because I never would have. My hair is all wrong for my culture. I just, I wasn't, and I'd totally forgotten the 20, 2012 words of knowledge spoken over me. Oh, okay, something cool. <laughs> okay. I had just come to the UK for the first time um, in 2015. Am I mixing years up? Yeah, don't worry about it. Okay. <laughs> and so the UK has always been special because every time I've come, God has, has spoken quite specifically. And one time, someone walked up to me and said, you know, God is inviting you to make a multicolored tapestry with him. I'm like, whoa, that's good. But I, then I go home and, it, you know, I just forget about it. I write it down somewhere, but you, no one ever knows what it looks like. So in the midst of this transition, it becomes clear that, oh, I, I am going to be the one to lead the church. And so I took over a growing church uh, at the age of either 26 or 27. I'm not so sure. Um, I don't know if you guys know this country music artist. Uh, he's, he has a song, Was It 26? So that's always me. I, I, I'm not sure. But yeah, I took over this growing church at 26 or 27. And yeah, two and a half years in. Just, just talk us through some of those. So you've... Yeah. You've moved from where you were to where you felt God was calling you yep. to be part of a vineyard church yep. because worship is on your heart and you're a worship leader. Yep. You've given up some significant stuff and you've given up theater and ice cream. Yes. Which may be significant as well. Yep. And you, you, you move to this new place yep. to be part of this thing. Yep. And as you join in, you realize that they feel called to go back to the States. Yeah. And what's the journey of, the Lord has been nudging and stirring and there's some stuff in the background that yeah. you've not even realized there's a potential of, this might be as big as it is. Yeah. What, did, what did that whole transition journey look like? It, what, was it just, Eddie, you're, man, you're God's man for this moment, you're yeah. leading this church. Yeah. How, did, how did the journey work out? Uh, <laughs> so, um... So they share with me about the transition around Christmas, and we form a transition team, which was, which was the, oh, and the pastoral team had only three of us, two of whom are married to each other, that's Adam and Melody and myself. So the pastoral team and some of the leaders of the movement become part of the search team, and we're, we're praying about it. We're looking forward to what God will, would lead us to. We're excited, but it's a moment of grief to be losing them. And, and you know, so the interesting thing about these kind of plants is, especially this one, it was planted by a white American. So it had a significant number of, of, of and it was planted to be a church for mis, cultural misfits, Everyone who's in Nakuru, but, you know, for whatever reason, whether they just moved in or to, to, the, uh, to the city, 
from a different country or whether they're from that city but have been traveling around and so they're just misfits. And, and so, so we, searched, we, we advertised on, on uh, Vineyard USA. We, you know, we're calling all international church pastors. Hey, do you know someone who could fit? Because it, it almost felt like, you know, it, it, th there was a question of does it have to be a white pastor mm. because of just the culture of the church and, and, and everything that was happening there. So we, we started searching. We got a few um, applications, actually. Uh, and so Adam would do the first interview, and then he would pass it down to us if he, if he thought this is actually a good guy. And I remember one of the guys, he, he's, he was a Brit, but had spent some time in in East Africa, and, and Adam thought, this is, this is good, and so he passed him on to me. So I'm supposed to do an interview with him, because uh, that's how it works, if someone's trying to look for a job. Um, and so the interview opens, and I say, hey, hello, he says hello back, and he asks, so why are you not applying for the job? And I'm getting mad, because I'm the one supposed to be asking questions. Um, but so the, the interview continues, and, but that, that hits me. Then uh, my brother, who, who now lives in the States, he's, he's a U.S. Marine. He, when he moved to the States, you know, just transition life, he lost most of his interest in church. Um, and so at that point, it wasn't something for him. He calls me and says, hey, are you going for the job? I'm like, dude, you don't even care about church. What are you talking about? And so, but then it's beginning to rise interest. What's going on here? And then I'm starting to remember the 2012 words of knowledge. Like, oh, I thought it would happen when I get to 40 or 50 or maybe 70 when I'm, you know, I'm, I'm close to the end. Um, <laughs> so, and then my mom and um, my mom had always told me, Eddie, whatever you do, don't go into full-time ministry. <laughs> Part of it is because you don't grow rich. Um, and she's, she's saying, you know, I've seen what it's like. Don't go into full-time ministry. And she calls me, and she's also living in the States now. She calls me and says, so, are you going to be the next pastor? I'm like, mom, you don't even want me in full-time ministry. And she said, I could never stop you from, from what God has called you. And I think when my mom, when my mom said those words, I, I just paid more attention to what God was doing. Um, so this whole thing is continuing. Oh yeah, so this guy from the UK. Um, <laughs> we, we, we were all sold, sold on him. It, he was the right guy. Everything checked out. And then one morning, as all these things are going on, I'm going, what if, what if it's not? Mm. So we have coffee with the pastoral team. And each one of us goes, ah, I've been wondering if the guy we've checked out isn't the one. And, oh, we're all feeling the same. Great. But now how do we tell him that? Because we, we'd, we'd booked a secondary interview. Then he emails us almost right there and says, I think the Holy Spirit is saying this is not it. Great. <laughs> now we don't have to break his heart. But now we're at ground zero again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we start there again. So Adam was, and so 
different story. Adam was, was Skyping with his coach and it's like, okay, we're back at ground zero and, and his wife is, is in the bedroom. Anyway, so uh, the coach asks, what if the, the person we're, we're searching for is actually right in front of us? Mm. And Adam goes, oh boy, what if that, that person is Edgar? His wife walks in and goes, you know, I've been thinking, what, what if it's Edgar all this time? And on a separate, we lived on the same property anyway. So maybe it was just something happening in the atmosphere. But I'm in my house going, ouch, what if God wants me to leave this thing temporarily because we might not find a pastor in time? So Adam and I went out for coffee. And he asked me, what will it take for you to lead this church? But in my mind, I am beginning to be convinced I will lead this thing temporarily as we wait for the right yeah. White pastor. Wow. Can I just be honest and just tell the... Yeah, um, Can I just grab a few moments yeah, there? Yeah, I, yeah. So the, the Lord has continually been speaking to you. Yeah. You don't know the full picture. Yeah. So he, he's spoken and it's becoming clearer and clearer, but only as you look back. Yeah. And even just seeing the spirit on you, just realizing that even that conversation with your mum. Yeah. I think for so many people in this room... The Lord leads us somewhere and we don't always know why and yeah. we don't always know what for and we don't always know what it's going to look like and it's often only as we look back. Yeah. And, and then just as you, you think it's kind of landing or something's going on, the Lord is stirring something, yeah. there's the realisation of this might be the Lord and he's saying something, yeah. but the, the church is considering a white pastor yeah. and that is not you. What? Yeah. What? what <laughs> Yeah. So finally, we, we, we agree, oh, this might be it. Then that begins a conversation with the church. We, we call in a few leaders and like, this, this, this is the guy. And uh, the reaction is mixed. Some go, oh, I, I could see that. that. But that was a very small number. Others sit on the fence and say, well, if you say, we'll, we'll wait and see. If Adam says. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. Because he was staking his reputation, his life's work on me. Yeah. And others go, no, he can't do it um, for different reasons. Well, he can't do it. He's, 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 a, he's black Kenyan. Yeah. Um, he can't do it because he's, he's young. He's, he's too young. I was just 26 or 27. Yeah. He can't do it because, well, he's not married. That's a significant thing in our culture. Well, he can't do it because he has the wrong hair. Yeah. Pastors don't have dreadlocks where I come from. Um, you know uh, he can't do it how much theology has he studied so all these and and so we go into that and can we can we just dig into some of that you've said some really quite profound things you you can't do it because you're black you can't do it because you're single and you can't do it because you're young now there's there's some understanding in this room that some people will have, will have faced a number of obstacles to what the Lord might be doing and some yeah. of those things are actually quite painful for people. Yeah. Yeah. So what, what's that then looked like? What, what, have, what have you then done with that? How have you, you, you've had to make some choices and actually stepping into leadership and stepping into the, the place of a senior pastor role yeah. is putting you in a place of potential further isolation. Yeah. You, you can't just you, you don't feel called to be single. Oh, no. So, 
So thank God I'm not. Yeah. So, the, you, but you can't then in that role just go, hey, let's go for coffee yep, because yep. we're confusing roles here. Like, <laughs> yeah. What talk us through some of that? Uh, the, yeah. The, the loneliness of that place, but also the surrender of saying, yeah. I'm saying yes to Jesus regardless of some of the challenges. Um, I remember going to one of our regional conferences and all these pastors went up on stage and were like, my name is so-and-so and I'm married to one wife. And I'm like, wow, the church is such a, well, we can get to a place where we, we organize ourselves around family. What about us single pastors and single ministers? Um, yet, yet it's, you know, it's about the family of God. And, and, uh, and one morning... Um, I don't know why it came to my mind, and I probably was just thinking about the, you know, just the beauty of what God is inviting me into. And, and I felt the Holy Spirit ask me, what if it costs you your dreams? I've not, you know, I'm not, I don't feel called to be single, but what, what if that's the cost? Wow. And I... Sometimes you jump into things and go, yes, Lord, yes, Lord. But that day I paused and said, you know what, God, I don't know what that looks like. Mm-hmm. All I know is that right now I'm saying yes. Mm-hmm. If, if years later I wake up and like, wow, that, that was a cost, I don't know what I'd feel then. Yeah. All I know is that you will be with me and I hope that you'll comfort me then. Yeah. So I think that's, that's how I'm going into it. Like, I'm saying yes now. Then I'll wake up the next morning and, and ask Jesus, give me strength to say yes today. Yeah. Um, and well, cause it, it gets, as you say, it gets weird. Well, you know, you want to take someone out for coffee, get to know them. Well, if that doesn't work out, then do you go for coffee with someone else? You're, you're a pastor, you're in a fishbowl. It was like, Hey, we saw you out for coffee with two, other, with two people in two different months. What's going on here? <laughs> um, so it's, it's just weird. Um, yet I, yet I think. It's, it's partly, I'm just, I'm just going to say yes. And two, I think, I think God's got this. Yeah. I don't know how that looks like, but God's got this. Yeah. Um, and, and, and when I look at the beauty that's coming out of the things God has invited me into, I cannot, I cannot get myself to saying, you know, I'm going to give this up. Yeah. Just, just for, for marriage. So you've, you've chosen environments that would potentially restrict yep. some of the things that you would want yeah. for the sake of the kingdom. Yeah. What's that been like? Has that always been easy? Has there been loneliness in that? <laughs> um, one day, I sometimes... So I'm the pastor who's living with his parents. They're not exactly my parents. He's a senior pastor, but I stay with, with a couple just because I, I feel like I, I just have to have some, some safe boundaries. So it's two things. It's a safe place. They, they, they nourish me. They take care of me. They protect me. And I think that's important because there's just so much I cannot see behind my back. So they got my back. But also, I'm a, I'm a 28-year-old who wants to party, who wants to have fun. I, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm a bit wild. So... So living with someone in his 50s, he says, no, we, we can't have that, you know? It's, so it kind of protects me in so many ways. <laughs> yet, yet there are times when, you know, sometimes it's just the, the job, um, and you go home and, you, and, I, and I just would long to have had 
my, my person to say, hey, how was your day? You know, um, there, there are times I sometimes host my team in the house and just have team meetings there. One day I called them and said, guys, this day I'm not calling you as your pastor. I just need my friends around. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> it's, it, it's so fascinating, though, because I think there's some statistics around 65% of people who live in cities currently are choosing to live alone. Mm. And there's a place of isolation. Yeah. And there's a place of nobody else seeing in, whereas you're choosing to live with people, yeah. acknowledging you need community, but you need family and you need people around yeah. you. That's so powerful. Yeah, yeah and I... Maybe, I think people are wired differently, but I think it's so important. Yeah. It's so important to protect yourself. It's so important to, to be honest with, with, uh, with, with the potential pitfalls and, and, and find boundaries. I, I've made mistakes in my life that looking back, I realize, oh, I wish someone had had a conversation about boundaries with me. Yeah. And then when it comes to leadership, a lot of it is, a, 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 there's a lot at stake. Yeah. Then I go, okay, it's even more important to be, it's okay to be the pastor who's saying, yeah, so when, because Bill does a lot of the cooking. So when I go to Bill's house, like, wait, you're a pastor, why don't you have your own home? Well, I need to make sure that, that I, I am protected even from myself. Yeah, let, let, me, let me just for the sake of clarity say what no. we're not saying is it is wrong to live alone. No, no. Um, n neither of us are saying that. We're, we're just opening a conversation that I hope is really helpful. Yeah. And, um, t talk us through how, you, you've got some pretty significant obstacles going on there. Yeah. The, the, there's the, you're black, single, yeah. and, and age thing. How, how are you staying you're living with people, but how are you staying healthy? What, how are you maintaining a passionate relationship with Jesus yep. in a way that then you're able to to input into others? What's that look like? Um, one of the one of the things I, I I realize is you know a huge chunk of it is just God's grace. There are. There are gifts and strengths in me that I never knew were there until I stepped into this role. So I'm, I'm seeing the Holy Spirit unpack so many things that I, I probably never even needed until here, and until now. And, and so that, that's, that's keeping me alive, that I can trust Jesus with where he's called me. And other things, just practical things, like I, I want to be vulnerable with 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 my friends, and tell them I'm not doing I'm not doing okay today. I need you guys to just come hang out with me. Um, I I have a group of friends. Just let's let's just go out for for a drink. Let's just go out. Let's go have fun. I I have, I have people I I Skype in. Um, <laughs> one of my friends I sometimes. He lives here in the UK, and I remember text, uh, texting him one day, we need to Skype right now, because he speaks into my life. So it's, it's, a, uh, it's a lot of openness and, and, and vulnerability. And I, I don't leave my house on Monday, because I, I feel even more vulnerable on Monday, because I'm just I've, I've given all I could give on Sunday. 
So staying at home, t- making sure I rest. Um, I take some, some prayer retreats with much older pastors than me because they have a lot of wisdom to pour into me. And when I'm around them, I, I just keep quiet. Well, well just, act, just try and gain as much. And so, just, and oftentimes, sometimes I, I find myself off balance. And I retreat and, and just try, okay, where, where, how do I get back? How do I get back? And it, it's, it's been hard, eh? Yep. yep. Leading, giving constantly to others, is, it's been a hard journey. It's, some, uh, sometimes, sometimes it's like, why did I even get myself into this? <laughs> and then, and then, and then someone walks in and tells you, the story of the life they're getting, mm. and I want to wake up the next morning. Yeah. When I see, um, you know, people whom some of our prison ministry folk found in prison being reunited with their family, I want to do this. You know, when I see uh, young people experience the Holy Spirit for the first time, I want to do this. When I see just different cultures find the, the beauty that God brings when, when we're all gathered together, I want to do this. Yeah, yeah. Can you just help us with a, a, like a cross-cultural conversation? Yeah. We, we as, I mean, as a church, we meet in a predominantly Muslim Pakistani area. Yeah. We, we often worry about how we'll do that, saying the wrong thing. It yeah. can stop us doing anything. Yeah. What? Share some thoughts with us. Yeah. Um, I, I am so convinced that God has put so much treasure in, in every culture, and we all bring something beautiful. And, of course, a lot of trouble, because we all got that. But we all bring something beautiful to the table, and we miss out. Every time, every time we could reach out to different cultures in our community and we don't, we miss out on the beauty God is bringing I often tell the story, just quickly, you know, I had three grandmothers, all at the same time. <laughs> and, but I knew, I knew my, my dad's mom. So you start, you start with breakfast there, but you have to say hi to the next grandmother, she brings out what she's cooked. And then you go to the next grandmother, she brings out what she's cooked. It's all different, and you know, and, and by the time you finish with the third one, it's lunchtime and you have to do it all over again. <laughs> but that's the thing, different cultures, we, 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 we have the value of the treasure of the kingdom of God differently and we miss out. And we are at a time when, uh, when it's easier to retreat just because of what's happening politically. It's easier to, even, even the most, uh, even people who love Jesus and very well-meaning are retreating right now and saying, oh, but I don't want to make a mistake. But here's the thing, we will make mistakes. Yet God is faithful. If we commit to ourselves, my encouragement has been, yes, step out. If we commit to ourselves to a relationship, so like with, with my friend John, he and I committed to a relationship. So it's okay when I come to the UK and, and I say something, oh, oh, we don't, we don't say that here. Why? Because he knows, he knows my heart. He knows that I'm committed to a relationship. And when he comes back home to Kenya, 
And he's just being his British self because he has to be his British self. That's who God has created him to be. And he's bringing so much. But, I, but he knows if he makes a cultural mistake, I'll go, oh, we'll laugh about it and say, John, we don't do that around here. <laughs> but we're not going to miss out on the beauty that God is offering just because we're being held back by fear. Yet it is so important. Like the, the church in... in uh, What's, what's that where Paul was being commissioned out? Where, where they were first called Christians. It was as cross-cultural as it gets, right? And then the picture in Revelation, it's every tongue, every tribe, every nation. So I, I am so convinced if a church is in a community that is, is diverse, it is important for them to do everything that can be done to be in relationship with different cultures because God has put treasure that only they can bring. That's so powerful. And just talking about commitment to relationship and yeah. the longevity of relationship. Yeah. So often we, we dip in, we dip out. We're, we're so fast-paced with our relationships. And yeah. you're saying uh, one of the keys to this is committing hearts to each other. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and that, that, that involves very different conversations. We, when I took over the church, we thought, oh, that, you know what, then we need, one, we need a worship leader who's been trained in the vineyard, and maybe it'll be good if, 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 if they are, again, white. Why? We need a cross-cultural balance around here, uh, and now that a Kenyan guy has taken over the leadership, maybe the worship leader, we have that conversation, and, and, and partly because God had said that worship is an important part of our church, Maybe because he, he, I, I joke and say, well, God didn't have so much confidence in my speaking skills, just like me. <laughs> um, so we were looking for the very, you know, looking for someone who's been trained in the vineyard or, and, but there's this Kenyan guy who had been part of our team and I didn't know that, that God was gonna use him. I, I traveled one weekend and I came back and I realized, oh, I've been in the way. But then cross-culturally, what that means is, what does worship look like if, if you are in a community that, that is... So we're a Kenyan church. We're, we're a Kenyan local church, despite all the nations we have. And at some point, we were doing a lot of English songs. And I felt, that's, that's not right. Like, God has put us in the heart of Africa for a reason. If you're in a community that, that, that has a lot of Pakistani, what, what, is, what does worship look like then? It's um, song selection. What, what does that look like? Uh, what does leadership look like, the leadership team look like, you know, depending on the community that, that's around you? Yeah. Amazing. To just in the vineyard, we have a pick it up, put, put it down kind of culture. We don't want to hold things lightly. We want to raise and release others yeah. and yeah. give things away. What's that look like, some of that journey? Even for you, you've kind of had to lay down a bit of worship leading yeah. to release others and to yeah. pick up what you felt the Lord was, was drawing you towards. What, what's it look like yeah. to, to go on that journey and to raise and invest in others? Yeah. I, had, I had been leading worship for around seven years uh, at the time I became lead pastor. And I loved it. I just loved seeing the, the, you know, being part of what God is doing in that way. And when I took over, I started leading worship and speaking every Sunday. 
mostly because I, because I held on tightly to what God said. Worship is an important part of who you are. But what I thought that meant was, Edgar, you have to keep doing this until you get someone who's already cut. But there was a guy I was training, so I would tell him, co-lead with me, um, lead three songs, I'm going to lead two. But I wasn't ready to let him go. But then I had to travel. And so I said, well, well no other choice. You have to do it alone this Sunday. He's like, oh, could we even bring someone else from Nairobi? No, you just go ahead and do it. We, we don't have the budget to, to bring in someone else. And when I came back, he just groaned. And I realized, oh, I was in the way. God didn't say, do this. He was actually saying, look at what I'm about to do. And so part of, part, so I've, I barely lead worship anymore, except so he's spoken. He's grown so much. He, he, he started speaking, I think, uh, a month or two ago, he spoke for the first time. So when he, speak, he speaks, I lead worship. But it's, it's gotten to a point where, you know, I'm seeing how important it is to, to give away leadership and really trust the people you're, you're giving away leadership to and, and whatever, whatever culture they come from. So he didn't, he didn't grow up in the vineyard. He does things a bit different from me. So, so even within the same church, there are few cultural differences. And it's, it's saying, hey, I'm staking my reputation on this guy. I'm staking my life's work on this guy and releasing it. And then growing the next person. Um, and, you know, there's a young adult's bonfire that started out. And now, and now I'm just in there with the leadership team once a month. But that's... It's so, and, and some of the people who are now leading it uh, just gave their lives to Jesus, what, quite, quite, you know, just a short time ago. It's inviting people, hey, you can do this. Hey, you can do this. One of the significant people on our team had never played any musical instrument before when we invited him. Hey, do you want to play the cajon? And he stepped up, he started playing the cajon, and now he's, he's our sound guy. With small churches, you do a lot of things. He's a sound guy, he's our drummer, and he holds the keys to everything in that building. And he's so sensitive to the Holy Spirit. Just because someone invited him and said, hey, do you think you want to try this out? I love what you're saying because I think there's a, there's a really powerful reminder that you're not waiting for the, the finished trained, equipped leader, you're risking and you're seeing gold and you're believing yep. and you're, you're stepping into where they are and cheering them on to where they could be. Yep. And that's, an, that's a phenomenal encouragement for us because I think we have the choice of um, control or growth. Yep. And we, we want to turn this loose to the Holy Spirit. And sometimes that means daring to believe in, in somebody. Yep. And, and I, I think that's exactly how Jesus did it. He, he's looking at his 72 plus disciples and saying, okay, now you will go and do what you've heard, you've seen me do what you've heard me say, go do it. Are they ready? No, they're not. But he's trusting that, that he, he's, he's having faith in them. Yeah. He's sending them out. If, even to places where he hadn't yet gone to. Yeah. yeah. Just, we, we've talked about, um, you felt really passionate about this waiting world yeah. kind of yeah. theme. Well, share with us, what's, what's that? Yeah. 
um, I, as, I, as I serve back home and, and just see, see the life God is bringing and also see the desperation of the world, I am ever more convinced that it is important for those who, who, who know Jesus to get out there and bring life. So I've often said, you know, the world is the wealthiest it has, it has ever been in all of human history. Yet the financial system is still a mess. Yet there's still so much economic oppression. You know, we think, oh, we've, we, we've built a great um, uh, uh, political, politi we've built great political empires. They're falling apart right now. Everything we, we, everything humanity has run to is falling apart. Yeah. And, and I think it's always an indication that our souls are yearning for something more. Uh, you know, the uh, statistics on, on, on mental health and depression, they're just skyrocketing. Part of it is people are more aware of it. The other part is just, yes, it has gone up. That's because people's souls are suffocating and we cannot afford to be quiet. Yeah. I really believe there's a waiting world and, and, and we, we, we have to join in and be part of, 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 of what God is doing out there. Yeah. And so significantly for me, uh, a year and a half ago I was traveling and I, I was a bit fatigued and gone through, I was going through a bit of depression and I was um, also going through deconstruction of my theology and everything. And I lost everything. I was just like, nothing makes sense. The, the only thing that held me together was, was I knew that Jesus loved me. I, I couldn't make sense of anything else but the fact that I, I knew Jesus loved me. But then that started the questions of, does the church have room for me? Does the vineyard have room for me? Because wow. I'm, a, I'm a pastor in the vineyard and I can't even answer the, the, any question about anything. Yeah. And I even shared that on stage with the church. Like, guys, I've never faced as much doubt as I face today. But anyway, so as I was traveling, I, I was sitting with some vineyard leaders, Adam Russell and Steve Nicholson. And Adam Russell has also had an interesting story with deconstruction. And so, and this is the age of deconstruction. We're, the age, we're in the age where there's so much information and so much questioning. And he asked, what do we do? And Steve Nicholson looked at us and said, your generation has to speak God's truth in your language. We spoke it in our language. It worked for our people don't do what we did. And this is a guy who walked with John Wimber. These are the, the grandfathers of the movement. I felt like it was a father saying, hey, you are home. And so for, for cause, when, when I saw the theme, A Waiting World, I, I agreed with it. I think the world out there, our generation out there needs truth and it won't be spoken in a language that has been spoken before. Then it needs people who speak that language, and that's people who are sitting right here. Yeah. We cannot wait. We cannot afford to be quiet. You cannot afford to, to be silent about it. So good. I, we need our own God stories as well, don't we? We can't mm. live on those of a generation yes. before. Yes. We've got to live this yes. ourselves. We've got to step out and 
believe for more and step into risk. Yes. Give us just a sense, if you can, what, what, what are you excited for in the vineyard? What do, what do you think the Lord's doing? Mm-hmm. Um, I'm so excited for, for, how, for how God is knit, knitting the global church together, not just in the vineyard. And I think that's, that's why the enemy is rising in opposition with all the things that are happening politically. Because there's so much more, we, we, are, we are just beginning to get a glimpse of heaven when it says every tongue, every tribe, every nation. And so even as we sit here, I notice we have, this is, oh guys, I'm sorry to, to, to just come into the party. I was invited, but, but we, have, we have a Kenyan in this, we have Kenyans in this room. We have Australians, yes, yeah, we have Australians in this room. We have people from all over Africa in this room. We have... It's not just an England thing, because yeah. God is saying this is not just for England. Yeah, that's right. You know, and and um, actually, and I I want to say it's it's significant because some of you, maybe even through the prophetic sessions you've heard, you're hearing God calling you to to different countries. Yeah, um, it's it's here, near, and far. It's your community. It's it's the neighboring community but it's beyond too. And, and, I, and it'll look crazy when you tell your parents, yeah, I think I'm, I'm quitting my job because I'm moving somewhere else. Or yeah, I think I'm quitting my job to just serve my local church. But, but God is just bringing it all together for something quite beautiful and quite explosive. Yeah. And I, I'm, I'm excited to, to, to see it. 